Hey y'all, this is Key Concepts, a podcast about real estate, professional relationships, and everything in between. We're the Key Finders Group, a real estate team in Huntsville, Alabama. We are six agents who work and play together and live and breathe all things real estate. I'm Blake Landry. I'm Yvonne Campbell. I'm Roger Wallace. I'm Sarah Scarborough. I'm Katie Crawford. And I'm Darren Wyndham. And the goal of our podcast is to give you a true look into the real estate market, how you can navigate it, and how much fun it will be along the way. We're going to be talking about how to buy a house. Awesome. Yay. Yay. Love it. Okay. Um, Blake, do you want to start us out? Give us any sort of like why you felt like we needed to talk about how to buy a house? Sure. So um, this is Blake Landry, and many times we receive all sorts of questions from clients, potential clients, friends. And New real I'll, estate agents. True. Exactly. True, exactly. <laughs> the, the act of buying a house is actually very simple. But I think that the general misconception is that it's a daunting, stressful, awful process and there are many steps to that process. And so we want to break that down into key, simple bullet points and just kind of talk through what that really looks like for our people to help you understand that buying a house can be fun. Buying a house is simple. There are steps and uh, requirements to go through, of course, especially if you're going to acquire a loan. But those two are simple when you're guided through that step by a, a group of professionals. And I think there's so many questions when you have never done it. And like the first step into buying a house is scary. It's really, really scary. And people don't talk about it, but then once you buy your first house, you you gain equity and, and it just becomes an easier process. But there are so many questions I think new home buyers have, um, along with just people that are just renting or, or thinking it's not for them or that they don't have enough money, you know, but there's so many different options. Exactly. And that's, and that's the part of uh, uh, being on a real estate team, particularly, we have a lot of people who can help, who can help you cover every step that you have to make in the process. It is daunting, especially if you're a first time home buyer, like Sarah said. And, but there's no bad time to start the questioning and the process and visiting with an agent because you may be thinking about renting at first and that's fine, we can help with that. Or uh, you're just moving into town and this is your first home to buy, we can help with that whole process. And you, or you may be coming into town and you need a house tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, can, that can certainly be scary, but we've done that before and we can help. So it's, it is a big process. But, you know, with a good real estate agent, we're here to guide you through the whole process to kind of help lessen that scariness a little bit. So I love that because Darren has just led into, we have broken this up into six simple steps to get to closing. And so step one is to call a key finder. So even if you have no idea what to do, you've never bought a house before, you've never thought about buying a house before, Call us first, and we will direct you through that process. So do we want someone to call, like, even if they're renting a house? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
would that be helpful like if their rent goes up or something along those lines like what if they're still in a lease and they know that they want to buy a house but they just don't even know what that looks like so most of our clients or potential clients are not ready to act tomorrow they have watched the news they follow other (laughs) podcasts they hear what's happening in the market maybe they're renting an apartment and their lease has gone up 50 percent since last year and they're like wait a minute my rent is not controlled it's not on a set fixed rate and this is not for me this is crazy i can't keep track of my finances and so many times people that rent or in an apartment do call us first that makes a lot of sense um what about like what's the longest amount of time that any of y'all have ever like talked to somebody and then they circle back to you and say like okay we're finally ready because i know for me it's been about a year and a half i was going to say the longest yeah a year plus for sure yeah right but it's never too early to go ahead and start that relationship because then you find out more about what the buyer's needs are Mm -hmm. Um, you've already established that relationship when the time comes that they're ready to uh, move into the home or make an offer or that process so it's never too early and us being in the key finder group like no questions a dumb question I promise you I've asked all of them and you know like we are here to be your advocate we're here to be your friend and no question is a silly question absolutely absolutely um i know for the people who i've spoken with like a year and a half before they're ready to buy sometimes and we'll get into this but sometimes it's a question of like are they financially ready and we help them kind of look towards the future for what they need to be to be financially ready so we talk to people across all spectrums but we do end up talking to people who are ready to buy tomorrow yesterday whatever and they need to go asap and we're just as capable of helping them, too. <laughs> Those are fun and exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. So do we need to be anywhere in the process? Like, do they already need to have their pre-approval? Or what What comes up there? Well, so after you call a key finder and you talk to one of us about your intentions, next is typically scheduling a buyer consultation. So that's something that we do here in the office or a coffee shop or your house, whatever that looks like for you. But generally we meet here at the office and we meet face to face. We discuss your goals, your timeline. We educate you on what the process really looks like. And at that point, we're really just having a conversation. So it's fun and simple. It does not have to be scary. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Is that where we like tell like what paint colors we want in the house? (laughs) (laughs) Like if it has we definitely decide our needs versus our wants and those all come into play yes um we also make our oh excuse me we also make our working relationship official and we decide that we like each other and that we want to commit to working together because it is a partnership um working together to find you a house exactly and we want it to be a win-win for everyone i mean it's it's uh uh, it can be a tough process, and especially in today's market, but um, uh, it's this is the largest purchase that you'll probably ever make in your life. And uh, so it should be a positive, positive, uh, uh, you know, time and process, and we'll try to do everything we can to make it that way. Who all needs to be at that pre or that buyer consultation? What kind of different relationships of people have you seen there? 
I feel like anybody that's important to you. So sometimes it's a parent, sometimes it's a spouse. You don't have to be married. You know, recently we had a, a single girl come in and we did not know that she had a boyfriend or a fiance or, or anything. And she showed up, she said, this is my boyfriend, but I think we're gonna work towards getting married one day. And so <laughs> his opinion matters. And yep. so it can be anybody that you'd like to be there. We actually Any- saw them this weekend and they are engaged. So it did Aww. in fact matter. Yeah. Shout out to Aranzia. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Congratulations, Aranzia. We're so excited for you. <laughs> yeah, it can be anybody that you value their opinion. It can be a family friend or a neighbor, anybody that you just want to help hold your hand, really. Not gonna lie, I was like, 34 when I bought my first house and I was with my mom (laughs) you know (laughs) moms uh, are always there to be helpful and you know help steer you in the right direction so whatever your support group is whoever you want to bring um, there's lots of people with tons of different knowledge and and ways to help you you know guide and pick what you want and figure out what's most important to you exactly Mm -hmm. absolutely okay what comes next What's step three? Does anybody know? The pre-approval process. Ooh. We set you up with a local lender or any lender of your choice if you've been working with someone already. We prefer the local lenders because they know our market better. They can help you out a little bit better in that sense, and they're constantly working with mortgages, so they know all the loopholes. And we have some great people that we work with. But you just go through that process, see what your buying power is, and that actually lets you know where your comfort zone would be on purchasing so that you can really find something in your wheelhouse of what you want in a house and what you can afford to do. So does that mean like I have to have like $50,000 in the bank (laughs) and like already, I don't even know what a lender is. Like (laughs) where do I even like begin? Like what that that process so I get a lender and then do they break it down for me yep they will break it down for you and they'll ask you all sorts of questions about you know what amount of money you have saved up and that can be you know a lot of times people think that you have to have 20% down to be able to buy a house and that basically all of your buying power comes from like okay I've got $10,000 that means that I can afford a $50,000 house because that's 20%. Um, Whereas really and truly that's not how it works and a lot of times mortgages, even conventional mortgages, don't require 20% down anymore. So that's something that's really important to know and those lenders will help you talk through and they'll also talk about, you know, not just your down payment but also what type of house you want and kind of if you're a veteran that makes it a difference you get a va loan there are different loan types that you and your lender can work together to decide which one is the most important to you and you can also circle back to us to help make those decisions as well we're there every step of the way so we never go away that's why that partnership is important and it's the best first step is to call us and talk through whatever your goals are, and then we remain your advocate the whole way through. Yes. And your lender will also remain your advocate the whole way through. They're there with you from the pre-approval process all the way to closing as well. Back to cash to close, you know, we're talking through down payment. And I bought my first house at 21. So I did not have... You big timer. I I did not have the money 
for a down payment. That came from my parents. That mom literally said, you want to buy a house, here's some, here's some gift money. And that is very normal. Yeah. So most people have some sort of gift money that comes from a parent mm -hmm. or a spouse or a family member. And that's perfectly fine. So that money for down payment can come from anywhere that you want it to. It does not have to be money that you've stored away for the last 10 years. Absolutely. Right. So we've gotten pre-approved. We know our budget. And we are working with, let's say, an even 300000 which is right at our median sales price in Huntsville, Madison County right now. So, Roger... Your client's been pre-approved and you've talked to them about what they want. How do we go about, like, what's next? We do the fun part. Fun! <laughs> start looking at houses together. <laughs> we'll create a collaboration center for you. And the collaboration center is basically, we take the parameters of what you're looking for in a home and we put that in and send to you immediately as something becomes active or coming soon status on MLS. So that way you get a first glimpse at it and we can jump on it mm -hmm. right away, which is very helpful in this market with everything moving so quickly. Right. That's um, a great point, Roger. Thank you. And, and um, we had talked about this as a group. Remember, when you're doing that and working on the Collab Center and working on your, your, the things that you want in a home, at first, keep your search a little bit broad because we are limited right now in the homes that we have available in the market. So the little bit broader you can keep your search, the better. Uh, in other words, don't like, like say, I don't want a fence. You may find the perfect house that has everything except for that fence and you may miss out just because you put that. So just keep that in mind as you're making your list. Let me add this. So this is Blake. Um, in streamlining your search, that collaboration center becomes your portal, your direct link to our Realtor MLS. So a lot of our clients, when they come to us, have got accounts set up on Zillow and Realtor.com and a variety of search engines. And that's all fine for gathering information and learning our market, but a lot of that data is not correct. So the benefit of our collaboration center is that what you see there is definitely active if it shows active. It definitely is an instantaneous feed to our MLS, so the data from the MLS that we see as agents is what you see there. So if something goes under contract, you're gonna know immediately. If there's a price change or some term of the contract changes, then they're gonna update that MLS link and you're gonna see it. We definitely love to, if you're really active on that, to, to like and dislike, and yes, you can dislike all of them. Uh, it really gives us instant feedback on what you're looking at, what you like, what you're, you know, um, and exactly what you're seeing because sometimes you know we'll have lots of options for you and sometimes we might not have a lot and we you know the more active you are on that collab center the better you know information it gets to us on exactly what you're looking for that's a great point Sarah okay so they found some houses that they want to go see you know, is there a certain time of day that y'all go show things or, you know, I work at least with all the people that when they need to go, we go. Yeah, and just being the benefit of a team, uh, Katie and I just recently worked with some clients that could only look at houses at seven o'clock and knowing anything about Katie, she's got two <laughs> little girls and they go to bed at 6.45. I wish I could go to bed at 6.45. <laughs> but we really partnered and paired together to, 
you know, be available for whenever you guys have time. And in this market, it's definitely you got to react quickly. And so working as a team, if I can't go, then we call Darren or we call Roger, or we call Blake. It's it's an, a whole team effort, which is great. And we are here for you guys. Great point. We try to work with your schedule as much as possible. Um, it, because today with people working, oftentimes it's not possible to go see a house between eight and five. Uh, so that's the benefit of having the team, which is great to to uh, give you that opportunity that most any time where someone is available to show you. We hear that consistently. Those agent partnerships within our group really do shine through the transaction. And every time at the end, after closing, when we get positive feedback, folks say, you know, I worked with Roger, but also I met the whole team and Blake was there for this and that. And we really do wrap you in service and make sure that whatever your needs are, they're met in a timely way. Katie, what if I live in Seattle? Um, then I'm, I know at least during the time of COVID and lockdown, we all perfected the art of the virtual showing. And that has been really helpful, not just for our long distance clients who are getting ready to relocate, but also our clients who may not be able to shoot away during the day. Um, they've got work or they've got other commitments that don't allow them to just pop into a house as soon as it comes available. And I know we've talked about this before, but um, if they're not able to go in and see a house and we're able to go in and at least walk through and show them the high points, we might walk in and they say like, oh, no, there's a bathroom right by the door. That is not for me. And we can eliminate that without having our clients having to take off a day of work and see something that might That's not awesome. work for That's them. That's a great point. Yep. Yeah. Circling back to a client that has to go at 7 p.m., that benefits them. Because yes. if we can go on our lunchtime and show you the high points and then you don't want to go see it, there's no need to drive out to Athens at 7 o'clock and kind of waste everybody. Yeah, time. after like a long work day, no way. Particularly at this time of year or, you know, in any wintertime part of year when you can't even see the outside of the house adequately right. during a nighttime so showing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've liked the house. Um, are there, do we just go forward? Like what's next as far as finding a house that you like and kind of wanting to know more information about it? Well, so a big part of our job is helping you gather facts. So once you get to contract, we'll have a due diligence period that's official. But ahead of time, we have a series of questions that we ask of any listing agent on properties that you're very serious about. So Alabama is technically a non-disclosure state what so, does that mean? <laughs> that just seems like a big word and it's kind of scary. Well, what that means is that if you buy a house in most states, they provide you with a list of all the features of the home and what has gone right and wrong and broken and been replaced. And sometimes that's helpful, but sometimes it's just a big packet of information that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people move here and they're worried that we are a buyer beware state is what that's called. But don't worry, because it's up to your team, your advocates, your home inspector, all of your tribe circled around the contract to help you fact gather and answer those in questions that are important to you, like the ages of major components, like if they in added a sump pump last year in the basement, what led them to make that decision, asking questions that really do kind of uncover the nitty gritty details. That's a great point. And we, and we help you ask those questions because 
you know, we know we've been in this state for a long time. We know it's a buyer beware state, and we really turn that around to where it's really almost like an advantage for the buyer because yes. you really do end up finding more out about the home than in, in many states where the seller just, like Blake said, fills out a packet of information and says, yes, I think this is working. No, I'm not sure. And right. this way, we really help you do the due diligence in finding out the answers. I think you get better communication our way because in states that do have disclosure statements, they send them over and that's basically all the communication you get. Mm -hmm. And so in Alabama, we go back and forth and ask questions and have an open dialogue with the listing agent and through the listing agent, the seller, to get those questions answered. Okay, so we've gotten all the important questions answered and those are all satisfactory. We know the age of the roof, the HVAC, the average utilities, and we feel comfortable moving forward. Roger, what happens next? So next we do what is like a market analysis on that home, which is you probably heard called pulling comps. So you take houses that are very similar in the area um, and just see if the price range is just right for what we're going to offer on it. And we decide what protective clauses we're going to add in. So you talked about it, pulling comps in the area. Is that just like you drop a pen and then check the radius or what are you really looking for? Is it more tailored than that? So we try to go directly in that neighborhood and find houses that are similar as far as bedrooms, square footage, bathrooms, features of the home and stuff like that to actually get an accurate depiction of what the market would pay for that property based on what has sold recently, probably the past 90 days around that property. Okay. So we, let's say we find a 250 house because, you know, we're approved for 300. Ooh. Find a 250 house. We're going to offer, we decide after looking at the comps and the recent solds, which by the way, I don't know if y'all seen, but the recent data says that 48% of houses are selling over asking price. Right, yes. So asking price might no longer be the like, the accurate depictor of what homes are worth. It's a starting point. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So we've decided that we're going to offer 285 on this property. Is that it? Like, okay, we, here's here's the contract that says 285. Is that all that we need to have? Like, hopefully we win. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's our what fingers. else do you need to know? <laughs> if only it were that easy. But really, really, uh, the next, besides just the offering uh, amount, um, there are things that we help you put in the contract, the language of the contract, which is very important, particularly to the, today in this market with limited inventory, it really matters uh, uh, how you tailor the words in the contract on the contingencies, what you may or may not ask for. We see a lot more what's called clean contracts. So it's not like we're flying blind here. Our relationships with other agents in the community benefit our clients. So when our client decides that they want to make an offer, we generally call that agent back first. Tell them that we have a client that's interested. We've probably already been in touch with them regarding feedback and booking a showing, so they're excited to hear from us anyway. And we do literally ask what's important to the seller. Sometimes that's money, but many times it's not. Mm -hmm. And so if a seller has 
a wedding or a relocation and they want to stay in the house longer than normal and they've got to get kids moved. Sometimes it's occupancy. Sometimes it's the fact that they don't have to do anything to the house before they move. So all of those things we confirm so that then we're writing the offer to hopefully custom cater exactly what the seller wants or what's most important to them. And I will say, I would think probably 90% of agents don't do that. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie. Like when just being new and like this rookie, you know, on the team and seeing you guys build those relationships with listing agents, it's kind of like, like no one does that. They're just kind of sending, you know, contracts here and there Uh and just hoping for the best. But to really call and and have conversation and then relaying that information to our clients is is a big benefit. If a seller tells us through their agent that they want to stay in the house for 30 days after closing because they start a new job in Cincinnati in 45 days and we allow them that opportunity, we're already leaps and bounds ahead of the competition. Very, very. No, no, I was just gonna say, Katie, things like that may win out an offer over the total price. Absolutely. I mean, so so flexibility, flexibility is important in your in your offer as well. And on top of talking about what's important to that seller, this is also our opportunity as buyers agents to be able to deliver the content of that love letter that you wanted to write to the listing agent. And that way there's a person or people behind those names that they can say like, listen, I spoke to this agent and this is what they said. And now you might be hearing that and saying like, well, then why can't I write my love letter? Because it's not in writing Mm -hmm. and there's no like hardcore piece of paper that if there's ever a question of, did they select my offer? Did they select another offer? Because did they not select my offer? Because there's nothing written down to, to really show that back to, but we're still able to say, you know, We've got some folks that are moving here from California to be close to their grandkids and this house is perfect because it's right down the road and it can each grandkid can have a room of their own. Like those sort of special messages that that make this house important to our clients, we're able to deliver those at the same time. I love that. Yes, great points. Okay, so if we're under contract, right, we have submitted an offer. Our 285 works. Yeah. So it gets accepted and, you know, where do we go from here? Like, what's the next step? Like, we just hope and wait and then we wait for whatever closing day you're going to tell us. But what goes next? So the first step after we get to contract is that's when we go to work for you mm-hmm. in executing everything that has to happen before closing. The real work begins. Yes. So first step, we send the copy of all of the contract documents to your lender and to the closing attorney so they can order title work and get started on all of those things that are happening behind the scenes. I promise if you are with a real estate agent, they have a relationship with your lender, (coughs) right? Whatever you tell the lender, we talk to them just as much. And that relationship bond is huge. It's really big because we as a team want to successfully get you to that closing day. They're your next best friend besides your real estate. Absolutely. Okay, so while title work and financing are getting started, and we'll talk through the details shortly, um, we've talked about all those things that we needed to find out about the property as far as being a buyer beware state and we talked about a home inspector being a part of that team you need to set up your home inspection 
after you've got your offer accept, accepted. In this market, you usually have about 10 working days or two weeks to get all of your home inspections completed. And now, does a home inspector have to be like someone special or can it be <laughs> your dad who's really handy and could know that that air conditioning has got rust on it and it's broken? So your home inspection can come from whoever you choose as long as when you go to ask for anything to be repaired, there is something to reference, like a home inspection, like full But what if your dad plumbing. just writes down the AC unit is broken? <laughs> Need a little bit more than that. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and like Roger said, it can come from anyone, but... Um, you know, if, if, if we assist you in your home inspection and your inspector, we're going to help you with a list of licensed home inspectors that we use. Shoot, because I don't know one person know. Well, that is a home inspector. And, you know, it's somebody's thinking that, and it's exactly. so true. And that's who we would recommend um, to, to assist you, and we'll help you through the whole process and helping get that lined up. This home inspector, uh, if you know, contract with them. They'll take a look at the home. They'll go through all of the major components. They'll take a look at the HVAC, the foundation, the roof, the attic, um, uh, underneath the floor, any, any of the particularly major things they'll, they'll point out and, or, or take a look at. And then at the end, they'll have pictures. They'll put together a complete report for you. And then we'll go over that report with you and look at what's important or what may just be cosmetic and not be an issue. And our contracts are written, like Darren said, to include all those major components. That also includes heating, cooling, electrical, plumbing, anything that would otherwise not be in normal operating condition. So the contract is written so that the seller has to convey the house in that condition. So really that time is our time to verify that we agree that the house is in working order. Okay, so when you say working order, like I said, the HVAC unit is 15 years old and it's got some rust on it, but... I mean, it is still technically working. Can I ask or can my client ask if it can be repaired or replaced? So in real estate, every single facet of the transaction is negotiable. Okay. So yes, you can ask for that. Okay. As a listing agent, I'm going to push back. Okay. Because yeah. if the air conditioner or the heater, the system is working and is functioning, it can be 35 years old, but it cools. It meets the needs of the contract. Okay. And we see that a lot. People oftentimes ask for things to be replaced. And then as soon as we have an HVAC contractor come and look, they say, well, sure, it's 15 years old, but it's working great and everything is right and the, the lines are in order and yada, yada. So I give this a passing score. And that's all we have to do is take that back to the other side and say, we had a professional come out and assess the unit and it is in working order. Okay. A few months back, uh, Katie invited me, being new, to, um, she had an inspection going on in a house, and she not only had an inspection, um, she had a termite inspection, and she had a structural engineer there, and I just, like, watched in awe. I'm like, first of all, she knows all these local people. They were all so knowledgeable and just gave peace of mind 
after like these women were buying this house and were like, this house is great. And you know, they found a few things, but like ease their mind mm -hmm. with all of their education. And they knew how property and land and, and things in Huntsville work and, and how land shifts and what can be repairable and what is not. And so having a, a Rolodex that the key finders <laughs> have is just, you know, it's invaluable. And having those people that know Huntsville and can kind of guide you through that, whether or not, you know, it's it's the right, you know, house for you or there are some operating, you know, repairs that need to happen. We're going to make sure and be the advocate to, to have the right people there for you to make sure it is the right purchase. I'm glad that you said that, Sarah, because that is a, all of that is a really great point. But also important to talk about, there is no such thing as a pass or fail in an inspection. Your right. inspector is fact finding for you. They are looking at all of those systems and they are presenting you with the data that they find. And it is up to you to decide what is important to you to be addressed. So just because they're, so like this house that Sarah was referencing, there are some major, major structural issues found and it is, has been up to those buyers to decide, you know, if those sellers say they're not going to fix it, well, sure, they don't have to stay in that contract. But if they love that house, it's up to them to decide, or it was up to them to decide if they wanted to move yeah. forward with that. And one of the things that I always tell buyers is, you know, knowledge is power. And the more that right. you know about this house and the more that you know how it needs to be handled, the more empowered you are to make an informed decision. Because what we never want as your agents is to have you buy a house and then three weeks later find some major issue. And yes, home inspectors are only people, but right. the more that we can find out, the better. Exactly. And that's what I love. Like, and it's it's your decision from from then on, you know, to to make an informed decision, to be educated on how it can be fixed if there is a repair. You know, how much does it cost? What would the estimate be? But Having those people that were just so educated about that and, you know, even knew Katie and, and had conversations with her and were just so kind. Um, it really gave everyone, I think, at that inspection just a good peace of mind yeah. that we had the right people there. Absolutely. So peace of mind is a big part of our involvement in the transaction. Yes. So the home inspection process is definitely important. But as the financing is moving through towards closing, we're circling back to make sure that the lender doesn't need anything, that that appraisal was ordered, that the title work has been ordered. And so all of that is part of what we're still engaged in behind the scenes so that nothing gets gets dropped, no balls get dropped. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when things come up as surprises at the finish line, it's because the agent or someone else involved in the transaction never circled back and asked if we were on track. Exactly. So that's a big part of our yes. communication and what we do the whole way through. Right, all of that is happening during that approximately 30 to 40 days between contract and your closing date. Yes, yes. Um, but one of the other parts of that I know that Blake and Darren both referenced is the lender is going to need a lot of paperwork from the buyer. There's a lot of things that they want to track and make sure, you know, income and taxable reportings and other things. There's going to be a lot of documentation that they need. And in order to stay within those 30 to 45 days that Darren talked about, you as the buyer have to 
immediately or at least in a timely manner give those documents over because while it might seem frivolous to you essentially like the the process comes to a standstill if those things can't i think sometimes even new home buyers you know it's like everyone's like can i move in tomorrow and they forget that we're asking for a loan for two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, and that's what takes so long to get the processes. But also to make sure that we're checking the house and we're doing all these things to make sure it is the right purchase for you. So that is why it takes thirty to forty-five days, so we can make sure that we hit all those deadlines. Yes. And in theory, if we go back all the way to your initial buyer consultation and getting pre-approved. We've already coached you through that. The lender has already given you a list of what they need. So in between then and now, you should have already had all that stuff pulled together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay, so financing is rolling along. The appraisals come back. Uh Uh-oh, our 285 offer price did not hit the mark, according to the appraiser. And it appraised for 275. Is the deal dead in the water? So it can be. Um, The deal is really going to process through that hurdle based on what we wrote in the offer. So contractually speaking, we will know up front whether the house must appraise for that price or, or more, or whether we agreed to what we call bridge the gap in the event that there was a shortfall. In a busy market like we're in today, it's very common for people to guarantee the seller that they will pay that contract price regardless of what happens with the appraisal. The bank is not going to lend more money on the house than what the appraised value returns at. So if that's the case and we've agreed to it in writing, then you would be liable to bring that extra $10,000 to bridge the gap between where we appraised and what our contract price was. Okay, so let's say that that some of that $10,000 I was planning to use in my down payment. Roger, what happens, like, does that does that mean that I can't afford to buy my house anymore? Uh, no, it depends on how much you were doing as your down payment. If you were doing 10% down, you can actually take from that 10% and go down to the three and a half if you're in conventional. Okay, and that's good to use know. Use that like, money toward that. Because I think sometimes, like, buyers might be like, ah, oh, I don't have $10,000. Like, I already have all this money for for a down payment. So it's just like allocating the money different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But does that mean I'm necessarily like paying too much for the house? It's like, you know, am I paying too much? If you felt like it was worth 285 when you offered it, then we often say a house is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Absolutely. So so if you were willing to pay 285 for it, because the appraiser and the bank say, Okay, well, we're only willing to pay two seventy five for it. Then that does fall to you to to decide. But now there are other times and other markets where maybe it's not quite so competitive, and there aren't ten people behind you also <laughs> willing to pay that two eighty five. And we can negotiate the price of the house. Right. I'll say too, it's become less common lately that houses don't appraise. We've been in a busy, fast-moving market for at least a year now, Mm -hmm. really more. 
And so because of that, the needle has moved and appraisers make every effort they can to make a house appraise. They don't want deals to fall apart on their watch. They're just working for the bank to make sure that the value is justified. Yes. Good point. Absolutely. Okay, we've hopped through. We're, we've checked our boxes. We've bridged the gap. Now, we've talked about title work. What exactly does that mean? So title work is, it's all encompassing. Um, it really covers making sure that they pull to make sure there were no um, deed errors or issues. A lot of times when the deed is passed on to the new owner, they will discover <coughs> that there was a husband that died or there was a divorce or an, an heir that was supposed to get a percentage of something and that was never removed from title. And so they're making sure that all of that is clear and concise and correct before they give you a new deed. Um, they're also ordering any sort of payoff that might be associated with the current owner's house. Um, mortgage payoffs are the most common lien, but sometimes there's tax liens or judgments from a lawsuit, some sort of issue that was attached to that house. So we have to pay property taxes on someone else's miss? You as the new like, owner are not responsible for that. Okay, all right, okay. The the title company is making sure that any of those issues that might currently be in place or that were forgotten from 20 years ago are handled and removed before the title is put in your name. Right. And those things do happen, and, and, and oftentimes they're discovered not by the fault of any party. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the seller just may find out that there was an encroachment or, a, or an easement issue with someone sharing a driveway, right. or just, just any kind of issue like that. Or, or someone may have an aunt or an uncle that lives somewhere else, may have a small investment in that house or something that, that no one knew or the current seller didn't know. So it's just anything like that that can, that can come up. And those things do come up. That's just the importance of, of getting that title work done. Such a good explanation of title, you know, and not everyone thinks about that. Right. You know. That's also a, those conflicts that arise are handled in different ways. Just like every agent is not created the same, every closing agent is not created the same. So it's important to work with people that we know and trust and that are local and that really do work for us and on your behalf to make sure that all of those things are handled in a timely way. So I'm glad that you said that, Blake, because I recently got a contract and asked my buyers if they had a preference or really that the seller had a preference on who the closing attorney would be. And my buyer said, we don't even live there. We don't have an attorney on retainer to do this closing. And we kind of giggle about that, but it isn't, it isn't quite so um, formal as that with a closing attorney relationship. They are not retainer relationship based. They are transactionally relationship based. So you don't have to know particularly who you want to use if you don't have that relationship already established. Those are relationships that we as your realtors work to establish and we can kind of help you decide who's the right person or who's the right company for you. Good to know. We yes. have favorites for sure, yes. but also understand that the job of the closing attorney is really just a neutral party to facilitate 
the closing, generally speaking, they work for the lender to make sure that all the paperwork is signed appropriately, the money is released at the right time, all of that is given final blessing to the lender before that stuff happens. Although you may know the attorney or they might be our friend on the sidelines, they're not working for the buyer or the seller. It's a neutral party. That's really good to know. Absolutely. Okay, so we've cleared all of those hurdles title work has come back now it's been 30 to 45 days it's time for closing like do we just show up what do we do do i bring my cash in one (laughs) (laughs) that's a big day so closing day is a big deal that's when you bring your down payment and any closing cost that you've already been told how do we know that like how much to bring so that's a moving target So when we make a contract, when we make an offer, um, we will provide you with what we call an estimated closing statement. That has a really close estimate as to what all the cost in the transaction will be. The lender also provides you with a more definitive estimate. And then that's a moving target. So they're they're held to strict guidelines as far as federally mandated um, estimates. They can't be too far off the mark. So when they give you an estimate up front, you can know pretty much that that's what you're going to owe. Okay. But then usually three days before closing or so, they give you updates and you know in advance exactly what you're going to owe to the penny. Sometimes that shifts if taxes are prorated or something like that. But generally, you're going to know up front what you need to bring to closing. And then you can set up for a wire transfer or a cashier's check, depending. Okay. Okay, that, so oh, go ahead. No, that, I was just going to tell... Um, Sarah, that qualified local lender that you've been yep. working with has mm-hmm. stayed in contact with you and given you all this information. Yes. So, oh. you, so you're sort of, you know a lot of that before you go to the closing table. Awesome. Absolutely. So we've got to bring that cash due to close. And I mean, like, again, like Sarah said, is it in ones? What do we <laughs> As long as you make it rain. <laughs> like, will someone take a video of me, like, handing all this money over? I think the wiring is important. We talk a lot about that up front, too, um, to make sure we are wiring this big lump sum of money to to the right, you know, the right attorney, right place. Um, They'll send out all that information. Um, But like Darren said, you know, just making sure that you're talking to your lender, your lender's talking to you, you guys are both on the same page to where you come to closing and you know exactly what's gonna happen. And we were at a closing a few weeks ago, Roger, and you know, the the lender didn't inform the client that she had to bring this pretty big lump sum of money being an investor and she had to run to the bank and get a check and I'm like, happening (laughs) what is happening you know and it's just making you know having that relationship and and we're going to guide you through all of that we're going to make sure that you know how much to bring we're going to be talking to that lender um to make sure that that day goes as smooth as possible and we are really there to sign and we're there for that picture yeah so on closing day you get your keys the seller gets the money the loan is finalized. It's a big day of celebration. So that's, that's the day that you're allowed to move in unless we've already pre-negotiated some other arrangement. Right. So, you know, you just said you skipped to the fun part, but, like, we show up with our money, and then do we just get the keys and we get to move in? Do we sign one Ooh. paper? 
What all do we hey, have to do? Give your wrist a good workout before you come to the closing table. <laughs> Closings that generally take, you know, about just approximately an hour. Sometimes it's less, but you will sign a lot of documents. So, so just keep in mind, you know, they go through them quickly and they'll explain each one briefly. You can ask questions if you're not sure about some of the documents, but you will have a lot of paperwork to sign before you get those keys. <laughs> and this is a legal process. So you can't just send your sister in to sign on your behalf unless all of that has been approved up front. They've granted you a power of attorney. You have to come to closing. You need to bring your photo ID. They're going to check it and make sure that you are who you say you are. And you're going to sign a bunch of papers. You're basically signing a promissory note for all of the money that you're borrowing that you're going to pay it back. <laughs> so yep. Yep. all of that's a big deal. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we sign, we get our keys. What happens next, Roger? You join our client loyalty program. What does that mean? You are on our like pop by list where we drop off little happies on your front porch. We do client events throughout the year that we invite you to. Um, we just keep in touch with you, make sure that everything with your house is going the way you plan for it to and see if we can help in finding you the right person to help you make that plan continue throughout. We're just there every step of the way, always calling you like, hey, what's up? What are you doing? <laughs> I remember when I first bought my house, you know, like you guys would just like drop off little treats and I'd be like, what? This is awesome. <laughs> or, you know, I'd hear from Blake and I'd be like, he'd be like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, great. Like, oh my gosh, it's it's like a forever friendship. And, you know, we're, we're just here all the steps of the way. Um, I had a house flood and I, who did I call? I called the key finders. It was like, I don't have anybody. Um, and it's just a, a friendship for life, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Well, but that's the way we want it. So, so many of our clients become dear friends. Mm -hmm. And yes. so it's not about the transaction. It really is a relationship that we form with people. Absolutely. And that means a lot to us. Yes. So we don't go away. We always tell people at closing, like, this is not the end. It's the beginning. You cannot <laughs> yes. get rid of us. <laughs> and people laugh, but like, we actually <laughs> mean <Yes>. it. <laughs> you know, all of us, we're, we're involved in the community and, and, with so many people coming into this area, a lot of people from out of town, um, you know, we do become friends with mm -hmm. clients and we can help you become more involved in the community. Do you mm -hmm. see anything? It's just that relationship and, and we hope that relationship leads to us helping you in the future, maybe as you move away or as you look for another home or have any friends that may need help. Or if you've convinced your parents and your sister and your best friend to move here, we want to help them just like we've been able to help you. I love it. Working with families is a really rewarding part. It really right? is. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We have a number of clients that we've helped move the whole group over to Huntsville. So yes. we love that kind of thing. Absolutely. So I hope all of this has helped you. I feel like we have broken down what seems like a scary, daunting task into six basic steps to get to closing. And then after that, our just follow-up and, and love on you schedule moving forward. So Absolutely. 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 And we're here for, for, for every step and, and uh, any questions, because uh, there will be some. And there will be things that, that may happen that we didn't cover during this session. Uh, but just, just know that, that we're here for you. Yes. Yes. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hey y'all, it's Darren. And thank you so much for tuning into Key Concepts with the Key Finders Group. We would love to connect with you on social media so that you can keep up with us and our daily adventures. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Keyfinders Group. This podcast is here to answer all your real estate questions, so we need you. Send us your ideas, questions, or thoughts that we can talk about and answer on the show. We're doing this for you, so we want to know. And as always, we appreciate your support. Please like and follow along. Five-star reviews are so important to help us grow this podcast, so if you like what you hear, please take a few minutes to leave us a review. Until next time!